Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we watch? Well, Kevin, we watched Dick Tracy meets Gruesome, a 1947 comic book crime picture. So you've already made a mistake. Dick Tracy is a comic strip. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> comic strip is a very different animal than a comic book. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> 
So it begins. So we know you've had a long history with the Dick Tracy comic no, strip. No, I don't. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of it and oh, the history of your experience God. with it? Jesus. I went in to see the... You said, hey, uh, there's a there's a vintage movie night happening at a nearby park hosted by film historian Eric Grayson. And I said, that sounds like fun. And then we walked in and we watched... I've never seen a Dick Tracy movie. Uh, never seen... Never really engaged with... The whole thing. So this was my this is my entry. Never saw the Dick Tracy and you're already Warren Beatty film. No, and you're already gatekeeping me with your comic strip versus comic book rhetoric. What about the tasteless 1960s Dick Tracy cartoon? Why was it tasteless? Had a lot of really unfortunate ethnic stereotypes. Oh God, that's awful. <laughs> why? Really, they, really unfortunate. Why'd they do that? No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> Still a mystery. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's awful. Uh, it was the comic strip like that. The comic strip was this really dark story where Dick Tracy is like God's avenging angel, almost. Jesus. Where these people who are criminals, their tendency towards crime leaves like a physical mark on many of them. So they're all physical grotesques. And they commit a crime, and then Dick Tracy relentlessly pursues them, and their worlds fall apart, and justice is slowly closing in. And as they get desperate, perhaps they might kill innocents or do crazy things, but Dick Tracy, in the end, always gets them. And then as that story is wrapping up, suddenly you see, oh, here's a new criminal in the background, and then the story begins anew. So it's a it's a wonderful comic strip. What what do you like about it so much? Uh, it was written and drawn, of course, by the great Chester Gould, and he is was an incredible storyteller. He uh, improvised most of his stories, and he was crazy enough that would he would do anything, much like an episode of Twenty Four. You couldn't relax and think, oh, the, this he, kid's not going to die because the kid might die. The kid very well might die. Yeah, that's always fun storytelling when someone is... When kids die? No, when someone's so unhinged. You're a sick person. Oh, shut the fuck. When someone's so unhinged that you can't guess what they're going to do next. You know, it's, it's what, like, conventional storytellers will try to do that annoying thing where they just do everything for, like, a final twist. And that, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people are just... It's like an improv thing. Right. <laughs> and and nothing, you can't take anything for granted. That's fun. You told me one uh, very, very amusing and, frankly, delightful uh, fact about Chester Gould. Oh, God! Kevin's showing me some of those ethnic stereotypes in the cartoon. That's really unfortunate. Jesus Christ. That's yes. really racist. <laughs> what the fuck? That's really racist. Who who did that? It was, it was very unfortunate. Wait, it, but it who should, did it? It, sh it shouldn't have. But, Kevin, who is responsible for this? Is my question. Hanna-Barbera? Uh, no, the fine folks at UPA. What do they do? They did a bunch of really shitty low-budget cartoons. And in a lot of these, uh, Dick Tracy would be the guy in charge. It was really uh, an unfortunate circumstance. But you could argue that generally in the 1960s, Dick Tracy... While still interesting, the comic strip also lost its way because it was this kind of hard-edged, dark 
crime noir thriller. And suddenly they're interacting with a creature from the moon. Why did they go that direction, the sci-fi route? Because Chester Gould basically could do anything he wanted. And sometimes that leads to wild storylines that keep you on the edge of your seat. And sometimes it leads you to Moon Maid. You told me, though, before we got off on this tragic tangent, you were telling me about uh, one thing that Mr. Gould used to do that I found very charming and delightful regarding the characters that he bumped off, essentially. He had a little graveyard in his backyard for all the criminals who died in the comic strip. So yeah, like little tombstones and stuff. Yes, much like you do for your enemies. <laughs> All the enemies I bump off. <laughs> well, you don't bump them off. You just fantasize about it and you go out and have their names engraved on stone slabs <laughs> and have them erected in our uh, backyard, which now expensive. looks like uh, <laughs> like Arlington out there. <laughs> it's very, very expensive to work through my rage. That's... That's a that's wild. It was, so was was Dick Tracy what he ultimately really wanted to do, or was he one of those guys who like had this very popular thing but saw himself as doing something else? I think he wanted to be a humor cartoonist. Hence all of the silly names. Yes. Tell us some, about some of the. In, in this well, uh, there was uh, a guy named Pat Patton who ultimately uh, goes to work for a lawn care company called Lawn Order. Jesus, that's amazing. Hats off. Give him his humor column based on that alone. <laughs> they should have an episode of Law and Order where they all like daydream that they work as lawn care professionals. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally surreal. Never explain it. So yeah, this movie so this movie is kind of amusing because it's it's a comic book film and nowadays What is it? It's a comic strip film, whatever, a comic film. And nowadays people are making such a big deal about like, you know, oh, you know, Marvel and DC comics, but you know, this is this is one of those kind of things from back in the day from 1947. So let's say for the sake of argument that you Anya Kane Greenley, Esquiress, <laughs> are the world's finest chef. Okay. You're actually pretty close to true because everybody everybody always says you're a wizard in the kitchen that's nobody has said that (laughs) so you're the world's finest chef and you go on the iron chef competition oh my god and isn't isn't that the show where they say okay you have to make something with this ingredient yes let's see what you can do to make it really good i'm already getting anxiety about this okay so you go on that show you're the world's finest chef. And they say, Anya, the ingredient you have to use is this pile of human excrement. Jesus. And then you use that as your ingredient. That's disgusting. Let me, let me, I'm making a point here about last night's dinner. <laughs> You'll pay for that. <laughs> So you do that and you do, because you're such a good chef, you do as good a job as anyone could do with that ingredient. With the do. But at the end of the day, as good as everything surrounding it is, it still has human excrement 
as a key ingredient. I hope no one's eating while listening to this. And that's kind of how I felt about this film. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Because there is a plot point in the movie that is dumb. That it is beyond dumb. It's just really, really stupid. But other than that, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good picture. But they keep coming back to this plot point. I almost wonder if the bad plot point kind of gave it an edge, though. Because you, you almost... The plot point's so dumb that I kept on giving it like a like a, a curve on, on its grading where I'm like, you know, well, considering this is happening, it's actually pretty good. Like maybe the maybe the bad plot point made it us gentler on it. Cause we were like, you know, given that it's so so weighted down by this horrible, horrible central what premise. Is, what is this plot point? Uh the plot point is that uh bad guys have invented a gas that if you get around it, you freeze like like a human adult form of non-voluntary freeze tag and you appear dead. So, you know, uses for this in the criminal sphere might be to, you know, incapacitate people in a bank, to rob the bank, which they do, and, and things to that effect. And uh, so you have a lot of scenes... Uh, in a 1947 movie of people kind of badly posed, you know, frozen, uh, frozen with the, which is just them, I guess, like you know, stopping the the film and and that's their effect. It's very silly. But it tries to have be a serious crime noir thriller around that, where the criminals do really terrible things and shoot and kill people who don't deserve to be shoot and killed. And the main villain is Boris Karloff. He's very intimidating. I don't, I wouldn't say it tries to be a serious film, but it does have serious consequences. As you said, there's murder. There's quite a lot of murder. Uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's like lots of death, but then all the characters are kind of just like, well, you know, we just got to solve the crime. What are you going to do? <laughs> is that the, is that the general tone of the comics? No, there's no... There's no humor. There's no humor in, in the Dick Tracy storylines generally. There's some humor surrounding it in some of his uh, topper strips, which we shouldn't go into. <laughs> We're not going to go there, folks. That's the forbidden zone. Uh, not, not because it's offensive, just because it's not funny. Uh, Google Chester Gould sawdust. <laughs> oh, jeez. And if you do, you'll never laugh again. It'll be like you've had one of Anya's dinners. <laughs> Talking around the British chef serving up shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, so so they, they, there's this freeze gun. And, and in case you're thinking, oh, that sounds kind of like a campy Batman thing, it is. And if this were a campy Batman episode, it would be fun because everyone would be in on the joke and it would be kind of just this silly thing. But this movie feels like it's very much half in on the joke and half trying to do a crime film. And the the resulting combination is really goofy. But to be honest, I was I was not bored. I was I was watching this. I was engaged with this film more than I should have been because I just didn't know where it was going or like what was like you know you kind of are like okay it's just a dumb sort of silly stupid thing and then suddenly somebody's getting shot at in a drive-by and you're like what and so it kind of keeps you riveted 
So it's kind of a fun movie, actually. It like it like loops from being dumb to kind of goes around like twice and then becomes fun somehow. I don't know. That was my experience with it. I guess your mileage may vary. I don't know how you felt about it. Were you compelled by this? I felt it was a shit sandwich. I, I felt it was as good as it could be with that stupid plot contrivance. Right, right. I felt that there wasn't enough Dick Tracy. They had Tess Trueheart, his girlfriend, in the movie. They didn't really give her anything to do. They understandably focused on Boris Karloff a lot. Because, yeah, because he's the best actor in this. Yes, and then we're supposed to take Boris Karloff seriously in this role. But then someone who interacts with him says, Gosh, I feel like I just interacted with Boris Karloff. <laughs> and he like looks at the camera. Nah. <laughs> That was the direct ripoff from Arsenic and Old Lace. Because in that, the whole plot point is like, the guy looks like Boris Karloff, and then it is Boris Karloff. But in that, it was the first time they did it, so it deserves more credit. for. And it also, the the film seems more like in real life as opposed to this one. So it just, that was really stupid that they did that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had like an out-of-body experience of embarrassment for the film in that moment. And then it, it was kind of irksome because the central plot point is dumb, and then there's parts that make, well, there's this drive-by shooting and stuff. This is kind of exciting. And then they have, at the end of the movie, uh, Dick Tracy, his big plan is to do something which involves him taking a completely stupid, unneeded risk. Tell us about the risk. Okay, well, what, what, should we set it up first? Okay, what so... Basically, Boris Karloff is this big bad guy, and he gets in with this racket where he they're going to use this uh, this gas to steal stuff and whatnot. And he's working with the scientist and the scientist Toady. And then uh, the, the scientist's girlfriend gets cold feet, and so Boris Karloff, who's who's gruesome, of course, you know, guns are down in the street in front of Dick Tracy, and it's like, whoa, shit. Meanwhile, the scientist that they stole this from, I just want to add something before I forget. The scientist, the scientist they stole this from goes missing. We never find out what happened to him. Is he dead? Did he just flee town? Not clear. They never make it clear. They just, they don't give a shit what happened to Dr. A. Tomic. Haha, <laughs> get it? And so then, um, then Boris Karloff also kills the scientist when he objects to his girlfriend being killed. So now he's the main bad guy. And so Dick Tracy realizes so one of the one of the scientists accomplices uh, a guy named melody who's like a young guy i don't really know what the joke was with his name he uh he gets injured and they capture him and he's also he's the one who actually killed a bank guard during oh, and, the robbery and the nature of his injury requires him to be made up like a mummy yeah he's bandaged heavily which wasn't that wasn't the mummy another character played by boris karloff was it I know he did Frankenstein. It's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, so Wait, he... no, I'm looking this up now. Okay. Yeah, he was Imhotep in The Mummy, 1932. He also voiced the Grinch. So ironically enough, this villain has to be wrapped up like a mummy. Boris Karloff himself played the mummy in the classic film that you know so well. Have you ever seen The Mummy? No. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, I have. I've seen all the Mummy movies. All those. I've seen all the Frankenstein movies. I've seen all the Mummy movies. And I've seen all the Dracula movies. We had one of those, like, 
box kit, like, you know, sets of DVDs of all of them. We own them. They're all out there sitting on our shelf. They're kind of fun. Creature of the Black Lagoon. But they're, like, not what you expect. Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> they're, like, you think you're getting one thing and then you get, like, because, you because like, those things have all become such cultural touchstones. And then when you actually watch the movie, it's kind of, like, what what am I seeing here? That, that was my reaction to it. The one with Dracula's daughter is pretty good. Why do you like that one, Kevin? It's a thoughtful meditation on the nature of life and love. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So that was a crucial point. Ironically enough, uh, this villain, because the nature of his energies, has to be wrapped up like a mummy. And I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, I understand that Boris Karloff himself played the mummy in the classic film. But yes. I digress. Go on. You're correct. Uh, and so then basically the plan is to get Karloff to come in and kidnap this accomplice who's really Dick Tracy. So Dick Tracy has had himself wrapped up like a mummy. Mm -hmm. So then Dick Tracy has himself as part of this. He knows that when they kidnap him, they're going to expose me to this gas that renders me completely immobile and helpless. I'll be completely in their power. I'll be helpless. There'll be nothing I can do. And they could kill me like that. They could just take me out into the ambulance while I'm while I'm helpless and shoot me in the head in my life immediately. <laughs> and you kind of wonder, why don't they? <laughs> and, and he's okay with that. That, he's, that seems to be a reasonable thing to do. I don't understand. And and so so there's the, so Karloff and his henchmen uh, show up dressed as orderlies. And they're like, you know, they have a big song and dance. We're from General Hospital on 290th Street or whatever. And like, so why, why didn't the police just arrest them when they came in the hospital? Why, like, what? 
did they want to get did the police want to get the gas but couldn't they have just gotten that out of the the, the kind of made a deal with one of them i don't know and also boris karloff's Dick Tracy thinks, well, what they're do is they're expose me to the gas, make me completely helpless so I can't defend myself, and then they'll probably take me to their secret headquarters and kill me there. But what if, wouldn't, if you were Boris Karloff in this situation, you go in, you expose them to the gas, you expose the guard to the gas, because the police guard comes into the room too, and then while they're both helpless, you, you shoot Dick Tracy in the head, you shoot the guard in the head, you leave. Or you smother Dick Tracy so you don't have a, a, a lot of sound coming out. You just put a pillow over his head. Wouldn't that wow, make you, sense? You, you say that like you know exactly that's how what, that works. That's, that's how you do it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's sweating. <laughs> Kevin's you, you've often one flew over the cuckoo nested people. <laughs> no. I'm just, that would be... His plan doesn't make any sense. It just seems like a lot of effort. A lot of needless, yeah. insane risk. A lot of needless, insane risk. And I I still don't get who Gruesome is. Like, I get that it's Boris Karloff, but, like, who is Gruesome and what's really motivating him? Like, we don't really get anything about, like, who he is. He just seems to be, like, some guy who stumbled upon this big plan and then killed all the other people involved in it so he could take over. Well, that seems kind of realistic, doesn't it? I guess. I just, I just like, who's the, why did they invite him into this in the first place? Like, if you're running a secret plan to, like, rob banks, and there's a big, scary Boris Karloff guy named Gruesome who's, like, glaring at you through the window, you're like, yeah, come on in. You could be helpful to me. Or you're like, we're fine here. I like my coworkers. <laughs> That's the most important thing. So it sounds like you want to like Star Wars then and have a, a, a prequel where we learn who Gruesome is, how he came to be, what motivated him, how he met Chewbacca, the whole works. <laughs> I'd watch it. A young Gruesome. We'd all be debating over actors who could fill the shoes of a young Gruesome. <laughs> And some really unnecessary explanation for how he got his name. Why is he so gruesome? Oh, he has too many minochlorians. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's it's a I it, okay. Like I found the scene. So they take Tracy back to their headquarters, and of course they steal a ambulance. So the police follow the wrong ambulance, and no help's coming, and then. Tracy gets up and is, is trying to run away from Boris Karloff and there's lots of running around. I actually found the scenes with Boris Karloff chasing around Dick Tracy actually kind of exciting. I was like, how's he going to get out of this one? You know, and Boris Karloff's like, see, I can just throw in one of my sleep bombs at you and you'll go pass out and then I can shoot you in the head. And so Dick Tracy's having to, like, you know, get up the skylight and it's like, whoa, what's going to happen? So I was like, I don't know, I was strangely like, here we go! Like at that point, I, I thought it. I thought it was effective. Weirdly enough, it sounds like you love this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> That's what a gruesome truth. <laughs> so does this mean we're going to be watching the entire Dick Tracy oeuvre? I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's really bad, right? But I mean, we kind of have to. I note you have not even discussed. There was one character you said, Kevin. This is my favorite character. 
said, Kevin, this character may oh, be Oh my god, pick. yes! I love this guy. Okay, the best character is the reporter. His name's Danny. I don't know anything else about him, but he's a damn good reporter. And he he would uh he, throughout much of the picture, he's like one of those stereotypical 1940s reporters where he'll just burst into the police headquarters and be like, I have a scoop and I confirmed it. And if you don't, you know, I'm going to be, it's going to be in the morning edition if you don't say anything. Da, da, da. I'm like, yes, this man, this man is portrayed as a villain. This man is portrayed as a lout. He's the real hero because he's keeping the people informed. And they're all like, you can't report that there's a gas bomb craze going around. And it's like, well, d- shouldn't people know about this? It'll just cause a panic. No, it, it it should. The police just say that when they don't want to get, you know, they don't want to get heat. They don't want to get in trouble with their bosses. That's not good for the public to be casually going to the bank when the bank could be, you know, sleep bombed at any moment. So I was like, that man's a hero. Shake that man's hand. And at the end, it's funny because, well, I'll, we'll get to that later. But uh, love Danny the reporter. Give him his own spinoff. Tell tell us. He's the people's hero of this film. Tell us the end. The end is, uh, so Tracy, it's kind of a weird thing, because Tracy captures the henchman, and then he shoots Boris Karloff before, you know, he gets a gun of his own, and he shoots him before he can, you know, whatever. And, uh... Then, uh, then, like, Boris Karloff's body is, like, going up this, Boris Karloff was going to throw Tracy thinking that he was Melody into this incinerator, and so Boris Karloff's body starts going up this conveyor belt in the incinerator, and then Tracy makes a big deal about stopping the, you know, the conveyor belt, but it's like, isn't he already dead? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you want his body to go in there, but they make such a big deal of it, you almost think he's like saving his life. But I, just, I don't know. That was kind of an odd scene. And then at the end, there, you know, the reporter bursts in and he's like, you know, all these new, these radio newspaper guys, you know, got the scoop and you know, da da da. And um, then and Dick Trace is like, well, you have the scoop about this and da da da. And then so he's like, thanks, Tracy, and he goes run, you know, Dick Tracy. And Tess are about to kiss, and Pat Patton is doing something. And then you know the reporter's running out the door, and everything freezes because another one of the bombs goes off. <laughs> it's kind of a dumb ending, but I loved it. <laughs> I'm a sucker for that. You stood up and cheered. I was clapping. I was crying. Tears streaming down my face. The other people at the retro movie night were looking scared. <laughs> Every, as you said, everyone at that audience was laughing at all the dumb names of these people, like Dr. A. Tomic or, you know, Mr. Evil or, you know, what, like just all, all that stuff. Said it was an easy laugh. Yeah, that audience was, yeah. A little bit too impressed. Yeah, before, we, before they showed this movie, they showed a, a chapter of a serial and there was like a wacky character in there. And anytime he spoke, the audience just went crazy. And you leaned over like you had something really important and confidential to tell me. And you said, Kevin, they love that guy. They did. They did, folks. If you were given unlimited budget, unlimited power, and people came up, you know, the top minds of Hollywood came up to you and said, we want you to do Dick Tracy right. 
What would you? So, do? who's your favorite Dick Tracy villain? Your flat top woman, a prune face gal. Are you not going to answer my question? I like flat top. I like prune face. What? How would you do a Dick Tracy adaptation? Make it a period piece set in the uh, 1940s, mid 40s. Okay. And adapt any one of the many classic continuities uh, Chester Gould did during that era. Like what? Like the flat top, uh, prune face, <laughs> the brow, mumbles. <laughs> and just do a very straight adaptation. Yeah, I think the stories are really good. And I encourage you to find the time to read some. I'll do it. I'm into it. I like crime stuff. And so, I mean, it just seems kind of ridiculous, but fun. We have the complete run in book form yeah. of the original uh, work done by the creator. Yeah. The the strip is still running. We don't talk about that. Uh, the guy who's writing it now is actually pretty good. Okay. So it's, it's making a comeback. Great Mike Curtis. There you go. He's got it. No more freeze rays. They wouldn't do shit like that in the comic strip, would they? No. It, it would be pretty much like organized crime, right? Or lone wolves, like your uh, brows, your prune faces, your flat tops, your model, your flat top junior. Would they do stuff, like what kind of what kind of schemes would Steve they have? Steve the Tramp. <laughs> Jesus, now you're just making them up. What kind of schemes would they do? Th there would be some crime, it doesn't even matter. And then the main thing is just relentless pursuit. There'd be some, the, the bad guy would make some sort of slip and... Tracy would exploit it and get closer and closer to getting them. And the tension would become unbearable as, you know, what is this person going to do to try to prevent this? You can't escape uh, the awful fate of justice. It's something, any, any one of the, anytime I read one of the stories, I love it. But if I read like two books in a row, I think well, this is just the same story over and over again. And then, like, a year will go by, and I'll pick up another volume. Oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Is the, is the original crime usually, like, murder or, like, a bank robbery? It could be murder. It could be a bank robbery. It could be anything. Anything goes. And then often the uh, the villains meet really, uh, no pun intended, some gruesome deaths. Comes full circle. So what is your uh, five-star final take with some sort of, uh not going to use dick idioms, are you? I'm not going to use dick idioms. I'm a classy lady. What the hell? Come on. Give me some credit. I think that you and I enjoyed this movie so much, you could just call us the gruesome twosome. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.